Hello, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and learn how to honor and praise Him, being His children in this wicked and dark world. Some people just don't want to face the facts. In fact, it's amazing the lengths to which we'll go to avoid the facts. I'd like for us to take a look at John chapter 9 and learn about three different ways in which people deal with the facts. So please open your Bibles and let's learn about facing the facts. John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to them, How to him, how then were your eyes open? In verse 11 he answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and he said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. In verse 13 they brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. In verse 18, the Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that although I was blind, now I see. In verse 26, they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, 
he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. In verse 35, Jesus heard they had put him out, and finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. How many times have we been watching a comedy and it's portrayed somebody who doesn't want to change their opinion and so they use that comic line, don't confuse me with the facts. Now, in a comedy, that, that sort of ironic statement is humorous. It's funny. The sad thing is, that seems to be, in much of the religious world today, the norm for folks who claim to want to follow God. Far too many of us get ideas in our head about the way we want things to be. And then when a Bible verse is shown to us, when a passage is studied, instead of allowing the facts to alter what we think, what we view, what we do, we don't want to be confused with the facts. We need to learn to face the facts. Here in John chapter 9, we see three different kinds of people who dealt with facts. There was, one who just ignored, there, was, there was one who just ignored the facts, didn't allow it to affect them. There was another who tried to put off making a decision. And then there was the one who followed the facts, who faced the facts and submitted to them. As we look at John chapter 9, as we just quickly run through it and see how these different people faced the facts, we need to examine ourselves. We need to look at our lives. How are we dealing with the facts? as we find them in God's Word. The very first group that was not facing the facts were those who could refuse to allow the facts to get in the way of their opinions. The Pharisees and the Jews. There in John chapter 9, we notice five things that they did that helped them keep the facts from getting in the way of their opinions. And we can do these same things today if we don't want to face the facts. The very first thing that they did is they distorted the facts. And I can do that. I can distort the facts. In verse 16, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. They were distorting the facts. He can't be from God. He's violating the law. But in chapter 7, in John and chapter 7, Beginning at verse 22, Jesus explained that healing on the Sabbath was not violating the Sabbath. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Jesus demonstrated that this is not a violation of the Sabbath, but they distorted the facts. 
in order to be able to maintain their opinion that Jesus wasn't from God. How many people today distort the facts so they don't have to deal with them? Have you ever heard anyone say about this congregation or others like us, oh, that's the church that doesn't like music? Oh, y'all are the ones that won't worship with music. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, there's a few. All right, maybe that doesn't happen around here very much. Let's say, oh, y'all are the ones who don't like music. That's just not true. We love music. In fact, we worship God with music. The greatest part of our assembly is typically music. We just simply use the music that God authorized under the New Covenant. In Ephesians chapter 5, and Colossians chapter 3, and various other locations, we sing. Because there is no other form of musical worship that is authorized for us to participate in, neither here nor at any other time of worshiping God. So I can distort the facts. Or I can just plain deny the facts. If you look in John chapter 9, this time at verse 18, the Jews then, and this here throughout this chapter when it talks about the Jews, it's not just talking about the Jews as a people, but typically that is the leaders of the Jews, these Pharisees and the scribes that were here. It says, "...the Jews then did not believe it of him, that he had been blind and had received sight." Until they called the parents. See, the first thing they, after distorting, the next thing they did, well, we'll just deny it. No, you know, this is all just a hoax. We don't have to worry about Jesus because this miracle didn't really happen. There never was a need for a miracle. This is somebody else. They denied the facts. How many folks today deny the facts? Here's the Bible. The Bible is filled with the facts and they deny it. I remember one time, Setting with a person about 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There it is. It says that baptism now saves us. And the fellow said, well, that saves doesn't really mean saves. That just means made complete or made whole. And what are we doing there? We're just denying the facts. What does it say? It says, baptism now saves you. Oh, well, it doesn't mean it saves you. What's it say? says it saves you. I can just deny the facts. And then I don't have to face them. Or I can just continue to question the facts. There in John chapter 9 and verse 24, So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? In verse 27, he says, I told you already. So they already had all these questions answered. What did they, they didn't want to accept the facts, though, so what did they do? We're just going to keep on questioning. We're just going to keep on asking about those same facts over and over again, acting like we just can't know them. Acting like there's still just something out there that, well, we just can't figure that one out. And so I can just keep on questioning. I can just keep on asking. I don't know how many times that in studying with folks, and perhaps you've experienced this, if somebody says, well, what about this? They ask a question, you show them a Bible verse that answers it, and then they just act like the question hasn't been answered. One of the problems that we sometimes have is, is that if I didn't come up with the answer, sometimes we assume then the question can't be answered. You all may remember a lesson that I preached some time ago. I certainly believe there are some questions we can't answer. God hasn't answered all of our questions, but the ones we need answered, He has. And it's not going to do us any good just to keep questioning if the facts don't fit what we like. 
So I can distort, I can deny, or I can just keep on questioning. Or I can shore up my present stance with illogical reasoning. There in John chapter 9 and verse 28, they reviled him and said, You're his disciple, but we're the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he is from. They said, hey, we're following Moses. But Jesus had demonstrated in John chapter 5 that their reasoning was faulty. Their logic was not valid. In John chapter 5, beginning at verse 39, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I'll accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? They had faulty reasoning, faulty logic. If they had really believed Moses, they would have believed Jesus because Moses prophesied and told of the one who was to come. All of the law and the prophets did. Jesus is the end, the goal of the law and the prophets. How many folks today have we heard just use faulty reasoning? One of my all-time favorites. Studying with a fellow about Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He was a pastor of a denominational church. And his, his big argument was, his big statement, I mean, this is it. We got together because of something that happened on a radio program. And just the first thing out of his mouth practically was, I really don't know why we're here. He said, you know, I've been studying this since you were in diapers. Well, you know, I've been studying this since some of the people here were in diapers. Does that just automatically make me right? That's not logical. That's not sound reasoning. It doesn't matter how long we've been studying something. If we're wrong, we're just wrong. And studying it for 50 years doesn't suddenly make it right. It's either right or it's wrong based on the facts that God has presented. But I can shore up with illogical reasoning. Here's another one. Well, you know, we've got the, we've got the fellow that went to seminary. And we know he's got to be right. We've got the guy that's on TV or the guy that's doing the crusades or the guy who's written the books. Well, I can just tell you, anybody can write a book. That doesn't make it right. Logical reasoning is based on the facts. But I can use illogical reasoning. I can use poor logic and shore up my present stance instead of just facing the facts and doing what they say. Or finally... And this is a big one. I can just attack the presenter. When all else failed, when all else failed and they were backed into a corner, the final thing that the Pharisees said to this man who had been blind and could now see, you were born entirely in sins. And are you teaching us? That harkens back to the disciples' question. In verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. It was a common understanding that if you were going through misfortune, it was because you sinned. Remember, that was the problem that Job's friends had as they were dealing with Job. And so they just finally, they couldn't deal with the logic, they couldn't deal with the facts, so they finally just said, look, you're not allowed to talk to us. You were born in sin, you blind man. It didn't seem to occur to them that now that he could see, maybe that was an indicator that he had become a righteous man. Who knows? See, they just weren't consistent. But what did they do? They attacked. 
And how often does that happen, even among us at times? We don't want to listen to each other until we'll call one another liberal or anti. Those names that come up. Or, we might get on national television and call somebody a cult. Why? We don't want to listen to their facts. But you know, if we can call them a cult, we don't have to listen to them. If we can call them a liberal, we don't have to listen to them. If we can call them an anti, we don't have to listen to them. Because we... Because I know people like you. I've dealt with your kind before. And so now I don't have to listen to you because you're just nothing but one of those kind of people. And sometimes the attack might have to do with race. Sometimes it might have to do with gender. Sometimes it might have to do with education level. Sometimes it might have to do with socioeconomic status. Sometimes it's a little bit more subtle. Let's face it. Now with Jesus, Jesus hadn't made any mistakes, but how many of us have? I've made mistakes. I've even said things in the pulpit that I've had to go back and say I was wrong about that. I've taught things in class where I've had to say I was wrong about that. And one of the subtle ways in which people attack is that, well, he was wrong about this. I don't have to listen to him over here. Well, maybe maybe the person was wrong over here. That doesn't mean we discount everything they ever say. And we need to remember that. Facing the facts. We can refuse to allow the facts to get in the way of our opinions. We can distort them. We can deny them. We can continue to question them. We can shore up our stance with, with false logic. And we can attack the presenter of facts. The second group of people we notice here are the man's parents. I can try not to make a decision regarding the facts. We notice two things about his parents. The very first thing that we see is that I can act as though I can't really know the facts. In John chapter 9 and verse 19, they asked his parents, is this your son? And they said, yeah. Was he born blind? Yes, he was. Verse 20, they answered, we know that this is our son. We know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. But notice verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. They weren't saying this because they didn't know. They were saying this because they were afraid to say what they did know. Because what they did know would lead to consequences they didn't want to deal with. They were afraid the Jews would put him out of the synagogue because the Jews had agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out. And they didn't like where the facts led them. And so they just acted like, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I realize that there are some difficult things. I realize there's some issues where we sit down and study and we'll probably just come to say, you know, I really don't know. It could be this, it could be that. And we're allowing for matters of conscience, but we can't just let our brains fall out of our head and act like that's the way everything is. God commanded us in Ephesians to know the will of the Lord. But, some folks will try to back up and and act like, well, I just can't know. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 talks about those who are always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Oh, I'm still studying. Of course, they'll go around and they'll study with everybody and wreck the faith of all kinds of people. But when you approach them and say, I think you're teaching there, no, I'm just learning. I'm just studying. You know, I'm just not sure God made it all that clear. I just can't know the facts. So we can try to put off that decision. And act like, well, I just can't know. Or we can face the facts. second thing they did is they just deferred to the others as experts. They deferred to the Jews. 
The Jews have said, if you confess Him as Christ, we're going to put you out. So they just deferred to them. We're going to let you be in charge. Whatever you say is how things are going to be run. Deferring to the experts. How many folks today defer to the experts? Well, our pastor, our priest, our preacher, my best friend, whoever it was, went to seminary. Our Reverend Dr. Televangelist Crusader says, can't be wrong. We'll just defer to the experts. Why do we defer to the experts? Because what we hope is when we get to judgment with, we were all wrong. We can say, it wasn't my fault, it was their fault. They had studied more than me, I thought they had it down. And so I can try not to make a decision. I'll either just keep putting it off, or I'll defer it to somebody else. But you know what the sad thing is? I'm sure you can already see how this is illogical. The fact is, when I do this, I've actually made a decision. And I've made the wrong one. Or I can be like the blind man and allow the facts to determine my convictions and live by them. What did this man do? He accepted the facts. I can accept the facts as presented even when I don't know where they're going to lead me. I find this interesting that when they first asked the blind man, when the Jews first asked the blind man who this Jesus was, all he said was he's a prophet. And as they kept questioning him, he said, you know, I don't know about all this. All I know is I was blind and this man made me see. And yeah, I've never heard of that before. Now, you guys can argue about the Sabbath law and you guys can argue about all this other stuff. All I know is here was a fellow that has done something nobody ever did and he did it to me. I was blind. Now I see. I'm going to listen to him. And he didn't know exactly where it was going to lead. He didn't know that it was going to lead to him believing that this was the Messiah, the Son of Man who had been promised. In verse 36, Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, Who is He? And that Lord there is not a confession of that He was God, that He thought Jesus was. That's a Lord that's like Sir. That's a, a term of respect. He saw this man as a prophet. He said, You know, I, I'm going to, whatever you say, you're the one who healed me. I'm going to trust you. And He says, You've seen Him, and He's the one talking with you. And what did he do? He said, Lord, I believe. He didn't know where it was going to lead. And we don't always know where the facts are going to lead us. The fact is, sometimes the facts are not very likable. Sometimes the facts aren't going to make us happy. Sometimes the facts aren't going to lead us where we wanted to go. But if they're the facts, they're the facts. And we need to learn to accept the facts as God has presented them no matter where they're going to end up leading us. And you know, that means even if we have to change. You know, it's very easy for us to talk about all those folks out there who need to accept the facts as we've accepted them and change and become like us, but sometimes, you know, we just need to be honest. It might mean that we have to change. I don't have anything in mind right now. I'm just saying that it might mean that. And we've got to be honest and face the facts. Whatever God has said... That's where we're going to go. Second thing, I can allow the facts to affect my life. What did this man do? As, as he accepted the facts and Jesus came to him, in verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped Jesus. He didn't just make a statement of faith. It affected his life. It affected how he acted. He worshipped Jesus. It changed the way he behaved. If I am going to face the facts, 
as I read the Scripture, it needs to change the way I live and behave. Not only being my conviction about what is right, but being my guide for what I do. I can allow the facts to affect how I live. I can proclaim the facts without fear. One of the things that I think is most impressive about this man, especially in contrast with his parents, this, this man knew what the Jews had said too. He knew that the Jews had said, if you confess this man as Christ, we'll put you out. But he just saw the facts. And he just proclaimed the facts. They're going to put me out of the synagogue, then they're just going to put me out of the synagogue. And in fact, that's what they did. They put him out, it says in verse 34. So I don't care what everybody else says. I'm just going to proclaim the facts as they are here. It's really almost funny because he not only proclaims it, he almost actually taunts these guys. As they're questioning him again, he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And he knew full well they didn't want to become his disciples. But he was going to proclaim the facts. He said, this is what it says. This is what happened. Not going to deny it. Not going to put it off. Just going to state it. And if you're going to put me out, then you're going to put me out. I think verse 30 is amazing. Well, here's an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. Which leads to our final point here. I can recognize that when others don't accept the facts, it's not my fault. It's amazing to me that folks could see a guy born blind. His parents would testify, this is the one. Folks saw him every day begging, and then one day he can see. And he said, this man over here did it. And the folks, instead of saying, wow, that guy must be from God, will come up with 50 different ways why they don't have to listen to him. Oh, he did it on the Sabbath. Oh, he's not Moses. Oh, we think you're lying. You weren't born blind. You were a sinner. We don't have to listen to you. Oh, we just can't know. And sometimes it just becomes really discouraging when you just state the facts. And you just show what God has said and what God has done. And folks just don't listen. And I think this is particularly hard for younger Christians. And by younger, I don't mean how long since you've been baptized. I mean actual age. Young Christians, as they look around, and they see all these seemingly spiritual people, who, especially the ones that are just having all kinds of fun and calling it worship. And you show them what the Bible says, and they just think you're all washed up. And it can, can become discouraging. But we just have to live by the facts as God presented them. And if other folks won't live by them, it's just not our fault. We need to proclaim without fear of what they do, what they say. They can call us a cult. They can say we're crazy. They can talk about the people who've been studying since we were in diapers. The reality is, if that's what God's Word says, that's what we've got to do. And if other folks won't listen, that's just not our fault. Yes, we need to talk in love. 
Yes, we need to present the gospel tactfully, but we need to present it. And leave it between God and them whether or not the fruit will be born in their lives. It's not our fault if people won't face the facts. So where are you? How have you dealt with God's facts? Wait a minute. Don't zip up. Don't pull out your songbook yet. This isn't the time to get ready to leave. This is the time to think about our lives. Where are you? How are you dealing with the facts? Do we refuse to allow them to get in the way of our already established opinions? Do we just keep putting it off? Acting as though we don't have to make a decision right now and it won't matter? Or are we facing the facts? Accepting them and following them wherever they'll lead us? No matter who's going to follow with us. All I know is that man was born blind. And then he saw. I hope this lesson benefited you and helped you take a self-examining look regarding how you're doing at facing the facts. Remember, there's three different ways we can deal with the facts. We can either, one, refuse to allow the facts to get in the way of our opinions. Or two, we can try to act as though we don't have to deal with the facts. Or three, we can allow the facts to affect us and to mold our lives following after Jesus Christ. How are you doing at that? If you have any questions about facing the facts, about studying the Bible, or about the congregation in Franklin, please give us a call at 615-794-2359. Or you may reach us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on audio cassette or on CD. If that's the case, let me invite you to go to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons available there, both in outline and audio format, that you're free to download and use in whatever way you believe will glorify and honor God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.